1 Thessalonians, uh, the book of 1 Thessalonians, we are almost at the end. And um, I don't know whether you've ever been in this situation, but sometimes it feels like you're running out of time to communicate what you want to communicate. And uh, whether that's uh, uh, you're running out of paper, not many people use paper and pen any longer, or the, the, the ink in the pen's running out, or maybe it's just a matter of time. And you think, how am I going to communicate these last things? Maybe it's, it's, it's an exam. And uh, you, you can see the clock on the wall and it's ticking. And you know you've only got two minutes. And there's still three questions to answer. You think, how can I answer these questions in that period of time? Sorry if I'm bringing up bad memories for those of you who have recently sat exams. And, uh, and you think, right, I'm just going to write notes. And I wonder whether something of that was going on when Paul gets to this point in his letter. It seems that Paul just decides to chuck a whole load of thoughts together really quickly. He doesn't explain any of them. He just chucks these things in. And uh, we're in the midst of a passage which has got lots of that. Last week we had, be joyful always. Pray con- uh, two weeks ago, uh, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ. I mean, each one of those you could... You could write another whole book about. And Paul, who's not normally known for being really sort of short, sharp and precise, he does like to develop his arguments and go off on tangents. And this part of this letter to the Thessalonians, maybe the messenger was waiting to take the letter. I don't know. And then we come on to where we've got to today, where he says this. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. And uh, we could go on, but that will happen in next week and the week after. We'll continue on in this passage. And uh, do you know, it feels like he's just grabbed a whole load of thoughts and just fired them out there. And somehow we're going to try and unpack that today in the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes Really, one could preach on each one of these little bullet points he's making. And uh, so, Father, we ask, would you help us to not just be hearers of your word, but doers of your word? We ask, Father, help us to hear from your spirit what you're saying to us today. And then help us to put it into action, Father, we ask, for your glory and honor. Amen. Amen. So I'm just going to work through these commands. The first one's this, as we've already read. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Wow. Wow. How do you put out a fire? Why would you want to put out a fire? I mean, the the questions just go on in my mind. Why, how, what, which, why, when? All of those sort of questions just come up with this powerful statement. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. That means it's possible to put out the Spirit's fire. That means there's an assumption that we should all have the Spirit's fire. I mean, the the questions just flow and flow and flow when I start to uh, consider this. And then you read into the text and you understand that this is written in the present imperative tense. Now, you don't need to worry what the present imperative tense really means in one sense, but it's a go go on, watch out. It's not just a warning for now. So much as a, a, a continuous. So he's not just addressing an issue which is happening there and then in, in Thessalonica. He's saying, hey, this is a lifestyle thing. 
This is a lifestyle thing. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Wow. Okay, so he's saying live in such a way that you're not going to put out the Spirit's fire. Well, of course, you may say, what do you mean by the Spirit's fire? What's, what, what's, what, what do you mean by the Spirit's fire? Well, we believe in this church that the Holy Spirit, who's part of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, when we become Christians, he's involved in our salvation. And not only is he involved in his salvation, but he wants to come and fill us and live in us and help us to live the Christian life. And that in that process, he does a number of things. He draws us to the Father to understand that we're sons. That's a status thing, not a gender thing. But we're children of God, that we're loved, cherished children of God, sons of God, heirs of his kingdom. We're actually brought into uh, the fullness. We're adopted as sons, the scripture says. And that's part of what the Spirit does. We, we believe the Spirit produces fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. We find that in Galatians chapter 5. Uh, you can find out more about that. We believe the Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Gifts to enable us to be missional. In the, he's actually a Spirit who enables us To be missional, that is to reach out and to love others who don't yet know Jesus, as well as those who do. That's all part of what the Holy Spirit does. Now, we're actually running a course at the moment on understanding the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And it's a four-week course. And to be frank, uh, we're scratching the surface even doing it in four weeks. So what I can say in two minutes on who the Holy Spirit is and what he does is very, very limited. What I can do, though, is this. Say, if you're not sure about who the Holy Spirit is or what he does, there is a great little book. It's only, well, if you ignore the appendices, it's only 92 pages long. Now, I don't know about you, but I like books which are only 92 pages long because that makes them easy to read. And actually looking at this, if you ignore the pages up to the introduction, there's eight of those. So that makes only 84 pages And it's called this, Receiving the Holy Spirit and His Gifts. It is a very, very difficult book to get hold of because it's published in America even though it was written in England 27 years ago. And uh, we've ordered a load. They're not yet in, but they will be in and you can pre-order them from uh, the bookshop today. Is that right? Thank you, Jan. You can pre-order them from the bookshop today. I can't remember what we said they were going to be. I think they're going to be about £6 a piece, something like that, I think we said. Yeah, somewhere around there. Um, and uh, if you can't afford that, you can have one anyway because uh, they're such a good book. I'm not quite sure how many copies we're going to be able to lay our hands on because they are very difficult to get hold of. But if you're in that place where you want to just do some reading over Christmas or if you know somebody who you think will really benefit from reading about who the Holy Spirit is, what he does and how we can be filled with the Spirit, I would thoroughly recommend this book. If you've been around for many, many years, you may actually find you've got it on your bookshelf under the title of How To, the How To series of books. That was how it was originally published. So you may actually already have it if you have the How To series of books. Um, But Receiving the Holy Spirit and His Gifts, Terry Virgo, Phil Rogers, they'll be available next week, but you can pre-order them today because actually we want to be a people of the Spirit. And actually, if we're going to be a people of the Spirit, we need to have a clear understanding of who the Spirit is and what He does And of course, if we have that clear understanding of who he is and what he does, then we'll also know what it means and understand in reality more of what it means to not put out the Spirit's fire. 
But let me make some suggestions about how we can put out the Spirit's fire. Writing to the church in Ephesus, Paul says, don't grieve the Spirit at one point, Ephesians 4.30. And the context, the way he writes that, is to do sinful behavior. And it seems, not surprisingly, the Holy Spirit is just that. He's holy. And if we start pursuing our agenda, that's the essence of sin, we find that our relationship with the Holy Spirit, and with God for that matter, becomes distant. And we can quench the Spirit. We can put out the Spirit's fire in our lives, individually, but also we can do that corporately if we're disobedient. So disobedience and sinful behavior is one way in which we can put out the Spirit's fire in our lives. And so I just want to encourage us, watch out. You, you, know, you may think, oh, well, the, the consequences, I can do this if I want to. Of course you can. But understand that there are consequences to our behavior. And so for some of us, we may say, well, I want to know the Spirit. I want to be intimate with the Spirit. I want to walk by the Spirit. Andrew, I agree with all this sort of stuff. And you're also, though, finding that you're pursuing a sinful agenda in your life. And you go, well, what, what, what's going on? Why, why am I not walking with the Spirit? Well, because he's holy. And he's relational. And what you're doing is you're saying, I'm not interested in you because I'm pursuing my agenda, not yours. And that way, we can put out the Spirit's fire in our lives. Now, the great news is this thing called grace, the grace of God, the stuff we cannot earn, the love of God, the unmerited love of God, which we cannot earn, which means that actually, even when we get it wrong and we do things wrong, we can still come back to God. And he'll still forgive us again, even the 50th time or the 500th time. That's the grace of God in Christ Jesus. And therefore, we can be refilled with the Holy Spirit. We can have his fire burning once again in our hearts and lives. So please, friends, don't feel, oh, well, have I done something where I've lost that forever? No, no, no. Because the Holy Spirit's a person. He's relational. And he loves to lead us throughout life and have his fire burning inside of us. Another way we can put out the Spirit's fire is this. It's cynicism. We can... We can become cynical, can't we? Let's face it, the world around us is cynical. The whole worldview that we live amongst is that of cynicism. And you know, don't trust anyone, don't believe anything anyone says. And you can understand why. Because there's a lot of falsehood out there. A lot of double standards out there. But let's remind ourselves, God is holy. He's pure. He's just. He's totally trustworthy and he doesn't do double standards. And therefore, we don't need to be cynical about what God is doing in our lives. We don't need to allow cynicism to creep in. In fact, cynicism destroys faith. And sometimes we can put out the Spirit's fire in our lives individually and corporately as a church because we become cynical. Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. You know, we can express cynicism in all sorts of ways. Somebody shares how they've been healed and you're sitting there and thinking, let's see whether they're well in a week's time. Oh, they always say they're healed. They're not really. Somebody else perhaps professes faith and you go, can't really imagine God loves them that much that they get saved. Or, or something else. And we have to watch our spirits. 
Dear friends, we really do need to watch our spirits in a world which is so cynical. Let's be careful we don't allow cynicism to creep in and destroy our faith and put out the Spirit's fire in our hearts. Cynicism leads to a denial of who the Holy Spirit is, of what he does, and ultimately leads us to putting out the Spirit's fire, to quenching the work of the Spirit. Do you know another way, though, if we genuinely believe that the Holy Spirit is relational and we're to walk with the Spirit, being guided by the Spirit, and we have a relationship with the Spirit of God who leads us in righteousness, in right living, another way we can put out the Spirit's fire in our lives is by coming casual with him or even lazy about our relationship. You see, you know, if you want to have a relationship with someone, you need to invest in it. But if you stop investing in that relationship and come casual about it, often the relationship, it may go on well to begin with, but very quickly the relationship starts to go downhill. Maybe you've done that historically in a relationship with a boyfriend, girlfriend, or with your spouse. Things have happened. History's happened, and it's not quite so intimate as it was once before. And it's very easy for stuff which happens to get in the way and make us casual. Or maybe it's just we're busy. You don't understand how busy I am. You don't understand the pressures I'm under. You don't understand that uh, life's just going on around me and I'm, I'm just struggling to keep pace. But in that process, we can become very casual in our relationship with God and with God's Holy Spirit. not keeping in step with him, not walking with him. Becoming disobedient when he prompts us. When we know the Spirit's speaking to us and we go, oh, I'm just too tired. I'm too busy. That's too embarrassing to step out at this point in time and do that for that person. That act of kindness, that act of love which speaks of the grace of God. It doesn't have to be anything major. Why? It can just be we, in our own spirits, go, oh, why have I got to do that, God? I'm not going to. And a casual attitude starts to eat into the relationship. And then we come distant. And soon there's no fuel left on the fire. We've, we've just ignored it and it's gone out. And we've quenched the spirit. We have put out the spirit's fire in our lives. See, there's lots of different ways in which we can do that. But likewise, therefore, there's lots of ways we can also, therefore, build that fire. By spending time welcoming the spirit. What's that mean? Is that just Christian jargon? Well, when we worship... Just saying, God, have your way amongst us. When we sing songs like that, Come Lord Jesus song, and well done, Bam, for pursuing it, because I felt, do you know, I felt there was something of God in that song which we had to get to. Those words, come Lord, have your way among us. Do you really mean that? If when we sing that with our real heart, (laughs) 
with a real desire. The Father God goes, yes, come on then, bring it on. And he loves to come and meet us. Do we really mean that? Have your way amongst us. You may say, well, I don't know what that looks like. Don't worry what it looks like. Just run with it. Run with it. Run with being obedient to whatever you're feeling God's prompting you to do. So long as it's for his glory and comes out of a desire for him and for his kingdom, you'll know you're okay. Are we going to pursue him? Are we going to put fuel on the fire? You know, this is the, the time of year. I don't know how many people in, uh, in, as, who are part of this church or here, here today have got real fires at home. We, we have a real fire. I love real fires. And we've got a wood burner. And, uh, you know, you've got two options. First of all, you've got to light it. That means you've got to set it and clean it out and all the rest of it and find some decent dry kindling. But, you know, once you've lit it and the kindling's all burning brightly, you've got two options. You can put stuff on or you can ignore it. Um, one's going to lead to warmth and comfort and uh, all, those, all the things which come from heating. The other's going to lead to coldness as it goes out again. What are, you, what are we doing? Are we going to quench the Spirit's fire? Or are we going to put fuel on the fire? Are we going to invest in our relationship with the Holy Spirit? What's your desire? Don't put out the Spirit's fire. We need to move on. Next one. Don't treat prophecy with contempt. Man alive. Whew. If we thought the first one was going to be challenging, this one's going to be even more challenging, isn't it? Don't treat prophecy with contempt. Again, I've got a whole load of questions. Why? How? What? All, those, all those sort of questions just bubble up. Why is this so important? What we do know is this, is that Paul, writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, says this, eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy, which he then goes on to say in verse 3, strengthens, encourages, and comforts. My paraphrase. So it's obviously quite important. Paul is making that point here. He's not just saying, you know, well, be casual about prophecy or anything like that. As they say, don't treat them with contempt. That prophecy is really important. We know that our, church, our type of churches are built on the foundations of the apostles and prophets. We use that, for, we, we, we look at what it says in Ephesians 2.20, Ephesians 3.15, Ephesians 4.11. Sorry, I'm not going to read all those now because time is pressing on. But actually, we understand our churches are built with an apostolic and prophetic foundation, that we are called to be missional, that we're called to be a people of the Spirit, and so, so much more which that foundation looks like. So when we hear prophecy, what's our response? When we hear Mick last week here, bringing a word about the fire, funnily enough, interesting, what do we do? Do we treat it with contempt? Go, oh, yeah, I heard that stuff before. In fact, we had 12 years ago as a church almost an identical word brought to us about us being a fire <laughs> and then torches being taken and lighting other fires which God has set elsewhere in this area and beyond. Do we hear it and think, yes, come on, God? Or do we just say, I don't know how I did that, but 
Do we just treat it with contempt? Oh, I've already forgotten it by the time I've had lunch. You know, that's why, um, uh, just thinking of another prophetic word here, which, uh, any, of you, any of you remember this? How many of you still got the fridge magnet? Oh, look at that. How many of you look at the fridge magnet and pray? Okay. <laughs> the forest went down, uh, thinned a little. Can I encourage us? That was a key word for us as a church. If you haven't, got, haven't seen this, it's a picture, a prophetic picture somebody painted for us as a church. Across the top in very small type, it says, The time to take action is now. To be purposeful, inventive, unconventional, radical and audacious. Alton, that's us, by faith you're called to make holes in ceilings, bringing broken men to the feet of the king. Okay, that is not, by the way, when it says broken men, that is not to the exclusion of women. Okay, um, but that was an important word for us. That's, that's a word which shapes us. In fact, I have a little bit of shopping here. Who hasn't got one of these fridge magnets who would like them? Because we've got about 10 here. Right, come on, hands up, we're going to run around quickly. Oh, sorry. Okay, we're going to run out of these fast. I've got three left. Ah! There you go, Andy. Fridge magnet to pray with. Okay, Dave, we're going to have to get some more made. We'll get some more. Okay, this is an important word. That's why we had them made as fridge, fridge magnets. To remind us, friends, can I encourage us, let's not treat prophecy with contempt. When we hear God speak to us, when we've weighed prophecy, we'll come on to what weighing prophecy looks like in just a moment. When we've weighed it, then let's pray it back to God. Let's look for it. The time is now. It's time to be purposeful, inventive, unconventional, radical, and audacious. Don't know about you, those are pretty strong words. Are we going to grab hold of this? Are we going to grab hold of this? Are we actually going to start praying it? God, help us to be like this. Help me to be like this. Why? Because we want to make holes in roofs. That's referring to the uh, story uh, which you'll find in the Gospels. Bringing somebody who's sick, paralyzed to the feet of Jesus for him to heal them. That's who we're called to be. That's who we're called to be. Help people come to the feet of Jesus to know the king. How are we going to deal with prophecy? Are we Are going to treat it with contempt? Are we going to ignore it? Or are we going to engage with it? Are we going to grab hold of it? We will, in due course, let you have a copy of, we've had it transposed, the word which Mick had for us last week. So we can pray it back. Pray it back. Because why? As we've weighed it, we feel that's a really key word for us. It's been reinforced. It's reinforcing previous words which are very similar what? Because we're here not just for Alton. We're here to see people of faith, congregations of faith, established far beyond just Alton. I don't know what that looks like yet. I haven't got a clue. But that's what God's stirring in us. He's saying, hey, it's time. It's time. Are we going to do it or not? How are we going to respond? Now, you may say, well, that's all very well when it's corporate for us together. What about individually? Exactly the same. If God's spoken into your life prophetically through somebody and it's been weighed and tested and you know it's right then what are you doing about it often 
Prophetic words have conditions attached to them. There are things we need to engage with or to do or to grow in or steps of faith we need to take. You know, you may be, maybe you've got a word over you, a call to uh, mission in China. Well, then a great thing to do would be to travel to China a few times and start to understand the culture and learn about it. And if you don't like Chinese food, start to like Chinese food and um, take some steps, steps of faith. Not that we force God to bring that about, but at the same point in time, we hear God and we're obedient to what he's saying. When we say, yeah, okay, I've tested that, I've weighed it, I feel that's right and appropriate. Okay, God, I'm going to start taking steps towards this. Steps of obedience. I'd love to say so much more, but uh, we need to press on. We've got some more bits here. Test everything. Test everything. (laughs) Wow. We need to make sure that what we deal with in life is of God. And in this context where the Holy Spirit is involved in our lives and where we are uh, uh, receiving prophetic input, we just need to be sure that we test things. We need to check them out. Well, what does it mean, test? What does it mean to test things? Well, things like you could ask the question, is what uh, so this person has brought to me prophetically, is it right? Is it biblical? Because to be frank, if, it's, if it doesn't pass this test, you're not going to go any further. Okay? If it doesn't pass, pass the biblical test, forget it. Okay? So you know, if somebody brings you a word of encouragement to, I don't know, go and commit murder, we know, for example, that that is not biblical. We are told very clearly in Scripture we're not to commit murder. So you can say, okay, that's not right. Tested. Binned. Now, of course, you know, some things aren't quite so black and white as that. But the starting point is Scripture. That's the starting point. That's the measuring rod. The key one where we check things out. But there are other things we can do to test it. We can ask, does it bring glory to God? Is he going to bring glory to God? Because I, yeah, we're called to live for the glory of God. So if this word is it's, it's going to result in glory to God. If it's about me, forget it. I don't want it. If it's about me and my agenda, no, 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 no. Does it bring glory to God? Is it something I can make part of my worship to God? In other words, can I surrender it? Because if I can't surrender it to God as Abraham did with his son... The promise, the promise of God, surrendered before him. If I can't surrender it before God, then it's got control of me and I'm now worshipping it rather than worshipping the living God. So can I surrender it to God as well? Does it build my relationship with God? Does it lead me to grace or condemnation? You know, Satan condemns, not Jesus. Okay, if it's leading condemnation... It's not of God. If it leads to conviction, oh, wow, I need to do something with my life, that is of God. That's a conviction of the Spirit. The difference between condemnation, which basically says, squashed, you're useless, you're rubbish, you're no good, and conviction is conviction draws us to the grace of God and says, hey, God loves you, but he doesn't want to leave you in this place. He wants to bring change. He wants to bring freedom to us. That's the difference between condemnation and conviction. Does it strengthen? Does it encourage? Does it comfort? Those using that exact phrase out of 1 Corinthians 14 verse 3. If so, hang on to it. That's the next bit we come to. Test it. Test everything. 
Hold on to the good. Now, this is going to be a very, 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 very quick demonstration. Because Dave Burnham's is a lovely man, and he thinks I'm a lovely man, he bought me a present on Friday. Well, you probably know him better than I do. Truth is, I had to go and ask him to buy me a present. Oh. Now, Dave understands, at the moment I'm not allowed to eat proper chocolate, but this is white chocolate, which I am allowed to eat. It's a white chocolate snowman. Mine. It's good. I'm holding on to it. And Graham Coates, if you can get it off me in the next 30 seconds, it could be yours. But it's only 30 seconds. Oh, it must be about 15 seconds. Ah, come on then. So it's mine. It's mine. You won't get it. <laughs> it's over here. You sure? I'm holding on to something good. I'm holding on to something good. Why am I holding on to something good? Because it's good. Because it's precious. Because it's valuable. Hold on to those things which are good, which God gives you. Hold on to the prophetic. I'm unfit. <laughs> no, he's not coming behind me. Satan loves to steal and rob and take away what is good, what is true, what is righteous. God says, hold on to what's good. Don't let it be robbed away from you. And when God speaks prophetically to us, we need to grab hold of it and hang on to it and allow it to shape us and mould us. And Graham, you can come and claim that later on. Well done. Thank you. We're going to hold on to what's good. We've got a lot of other good things we can hold on to. We've got the goodness of the word of God. We need to hold on to that. We don't sacrifice the word of God. We've got the grace of God and the love of God. Let's hold on to that. We've got fellowship with one another. Precious relationships with one another. Let's hold on to that. Hold on to what's good, dear friends. Hold on to the truth of God. Hold on to relationship with him. Cling hold of his Holy Spirit. Don't let the fire be quenched. But instead, hold on to the truth. Yeah? Can we do that? Hold on to what's good. What's good is being a people who walk with the Spirit. Who know an intimacy with God. Who live out the grace of God for the glory of God. Not just for ourselves, but so that his kingdom comes wherever we are, wherever we go. That we're that sort of people.
Are we going to be that sort of people? Not quenching the spirit, but holding fast to the truth of God. Holding fast to relationship with Almighty God. Not treating prophecies with contempt, but pressing on. Avoiding every kind of evil. We don't have time to cover that one, but to be frank, it's probably the easiest one to explain because it says exactly what it means on the can. Avoid every kind of evil. Can we stand?